you need to work with the assumption that you're going to have to work two to three times harder than your male counterparts to get the why the thing is like i am so done questioning it i mean i still question yeah. it on a daily right. basis but the thing is like i'm not going to sit in a corner and weep till the world changes right yeah. um i want to be a part of that change and not you know sit on the outskirts and wait for like shit to get better just so i can be a part of like this industry or this narrative or whatever We could have never predicted the events of last year and while many of the effects continue to be felt we've learned to adapt personally and professionally as a pastry chef the way i approach my business has transformed tremendously so i'm talking to entrepreneurs from various industries to follow their journeys find parallels and learn from their insights along the way i'm pooja dhingra and you're listening to my podcast no sugar coat where the sugar stays in the kitchen and out of the conversation Today on No Sugar Coat, we are speaking to Sujita Salvan, whose little Tumblr blog is now India's largest online discovery and shopping platform, LBB. Even after two rounds of funding and almost five million monthly active users, the platform's original objective of seeking out and supporting local businesses remains as strong as ever. It shouldn't come as a surprise that she has been mentioned in 30 under 30 lists in Forbes India and Asia. And as a woman in business myself, I'm so excited for this conversation. Hi Sujita, what's going on Pooj? I want to start with how we actually met. So, do you remember when we first met? Forbes 30 under 30 in Singapore. Yes. And ever since then, you know, I every time I have I'm stuck somewhere or I seek inspiration or you know, you've always been there and I always like annoy you when I call you and I'm like, what do I do here? What do I do here? And you always there to help me. So, thank you for that. I was just chatting with the girls in the office before coming in and I was like I'm doing my first interview it's Suchita what would you like me to ask her and Roshni from the team was like oh my god what I really want to know from her is that you know she was like working in marketing at BBC and then you know she quit that and she started like a Tumblr blog and then that changed into something completely different can you please ask her what made her do all of that I said okay we're going to start with that how did you go from leaving a very cushiony sort of marketing job to just deciding that okay i'm going to start this blog and uh, then we'll get to where you are today i think uh, we've seen each other through very different phases of each other's business and it's always great to you know have a friend who you can whatsapp with like any question ever and have them always be available so right back at you i think for me a lot of what gave me the confidence was i, I don't think i was confident i think i was more reckless than confident uh, you know <laughs> I think a lot of it was you know what's the worst that will happen right yeah. and the worst that will happen is I'll just go back to working again with some yeah. other company and I think uh, you know um uh, all of us myself specifically you know given that I do have a bit of a type A personality you know I've always been super ambitious um, and I've always wanted a lot from my life I think a lot of us you know get sort of hassled and scared by our own uh, you know expectation of where we want to be and how big we want to be and i think because you're like at everest base camp and you're looking at the peak on top and you're just stressing about you know the summit i think what you forget is that your downside is basically a great outcome also and i think for me it was a lot of just reminding myself that you know my downside is i go back to working but in my best case scenario you know i could really make a go of this I don't come from an entrepreneurial family at least in the past 
one generation. So my great grandfather actually came to India during the partition, uh, and he was an uneducated man, and he basically built this like business for himself. However, you know, my father and my mom, both of them aren't specifically related to the business that my great grandfather built. So my dad is a lawyer, my mom is a doctor. And I've actually always had a professional sort of like outtake to life, right? So nowhere in my life's goals was entrepreneurship ever like on the agenda. It was always, you know, go to Harvard, get that MBA, you know, like buy this like expensive ass house that overlooks Central Park in Manhattan because that's the kind of shitty movies that we watched back then <laughs> uh, and still watch. Um, uh, but for me, I just actually loved the experience of starting LBB. Uh, and I also... Uh, loved what LBB, you know, did and does for me, which is, you know, just that excitement of enabling a small business to grow, right? Uh, enabling a small business to get discovered by more and more customers. And I think for me, that was a big sort of, you know, unlocker that that this could actually be my moonshot. And why not, you know, give this a shot? Not only because I believe that it could be my moonshot, but also I knew that, you know, my worst case scenario is I just, I go back to the great life that I already have. So that's actually quite interesting because a lot of people ask me this question as well. And, you know, they're always like, oh, you were 23 when you started. Were you afraid? Were you like scared? And I say, no, because what did I have to lose? But if you ask me the same question today, 10 years later, I think I'm more afraid today because I do have a lot more to lose today than I did when I started. Absolutely. So is that is that how you feel as well? So actually, no. Um, and I think the reason why I don't feel that way is it's multiple different things, right? I, I think I would have perhaps felt that way about, you know, two, three years ago. But I think where I'm at right now, and especially the industry that I'm in, which, you know, has entrepreneurs on one side and venture capitalists on the other, you realize that so much of this is probability, right? So much of this is like a lot of factors that are not in your control, right? Markets, luck. I mean, who would have thought we'd be in the middle of a pandemic in 2020, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, knowing that everything doesn't necessarily rest only on you and that a lot of extraneous factors need to come together in order for you to see success. And we've seen this time and time again, right? Before Swiggy, there was another company called Tiny Owl, which like collapsed yeah. right before Swiggy came about, right? Before Airbnb, there was couch surfing. Before DoorDash, which just IPO'd, there are so many delivery companies that have tried to, you know, sort of make a go of it. There was Yelp, uh, the biggest thing that existed before DoorDash. So the point that I'm making is that, you know, there are so many great ideas and so many great entrepreneurs, but there is a lot outside of the construct of, you know, just great ideas and great entrepreneurs that actually leads to successful outcomes. And I think somewhere in the back of your head, you need to sort of corroborate internally and externally that, you know, this is probability at the end of the day we can take as many calculated risks as we would like uh, but I mean best example Quibi right two phenomenal CEOs one billion dollars in like seed capital even before launch and they shut shop within you know less than six months of launching so uh, there's a lot of like complexity that goes into business building and I think the more you realize how much out of your control outcomes are the better it is and also the more I wouldn't say relax because then you actually have this thing within you that I want to be on the right side of this probability, right? I want the probability to play out in my favor. Uh, but I think a lot of what that does is it takes the stress of like trying to control too many things out of your head. So I think earlier I would try to control a lot. But I think now I wouldn't say I go with the flow uh, by any barometer, but I have become slightly 
more you know comfortable with the fact that not everything is in my control and and let me just try harnessing whatever i can in the best way i can so you said this changed 2 years ago what happened 2 years ago for you to change this mindset i think you know two things one we we realized that the way we were solving the problem of connecting customers with great local brands and businesses that had to evolve um right so for example when we started out we were a content only platform so you'd come to lbb to just you know read reviews recommendations about offline brands and businesses but a lot of what we realized was that you know the thing that lbb was lacking was you would discover all of these great brands and businesses but there was a lot of friction in between discovery and access right so i can discover a great store in shahpurjat sitting in bombay but if you're not able to access that store easily and the friction in between your discovery and access is reduced uh, you're never going to add any value to what actually matters to that store which is either footfall or sale right so we started problem solving for that layer i mean there were two ways to look at that situation right one way could have been man i pissed away 3 years of my life building this the wrong way or the mm-hmm. other way to look at it is you know what like i learned a lot from year 0 to 3 now i'm just going to make sure that everything that i learned from that year that compounds very quickly in the next two years so i think making that pivot right from just being comfortable with being you know a content only platform to saying you know what i'm sorry but that's not the job that we should be doing the job that we should actually be doing is removing friction in between this great independent brand and a customer who's only afraid to buy this great independent brand because no one has solved for trust you know access and transaction mm-hmm. and it, it was a lot i mean it was th- there was a whole you know internal change you know your like the team that you hired basically has to be like retrained uh, you know there were a lot of internal changes that we had to make and at that point you you kind of realize that you know i need to do right by my customer and my merchant and that's what matters more and i think when you're in that scenario where it's kind of like i need to make this change otherwise you know an instagram's going to eat me up you kind of get comfortable with the unpredictability of it all so i think that for me was one you know trigger where where it was kind of like i need to you know have an open mind and yeah and change things and adapt to you know new technologies as and when they come up so speaking about change and adaptation and like you just said you know you started with lbb being something and today what it is is completely different i think a lot of people who start things get so fixated with the idea of that they should be what they intended you know what they started out to be can you talk me through how that process of change was for you you briefly said that you know there was a mindset change that had to happen within the team and within all of you but just changing from what you intended the company to be and then was there many 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 versions of this change to where you are today and what is your take on just change in general from your original vision i think the way i'd address that question is that you know there's two parts right there is the business part and there's a personal part on the personal part i think the thing is you know people like to identify themselves with things or with objects or with outcomes and so much of one's identity comes from these things objects outcomes or people right and for me one big part of where my identity comes from is the work that i do and the job that i have um and it's been this way even before lbb so i was equally obsessed with my work back at wiscraft and even with the bbc and i think when we were about 2 years into lbb a lot of what i saw happening was just a, that natural sort of growing up where you realize that i can't be fixated in this version that i have of myself from 2 to 3 years ago 
and I also need to continue to learn, adapt and adopt to the world that's changing around me. And I think, you know, just acknowledging that that your identity should not be rooted in objects. It should be rooted in values and making that mental switch. So, for example, you know, I did this whole exercise like two and a half odd years ago where I define what my like life's values are. Right. So like I will always pay it forward or I will always be generous or I will whatever, like, you know, just broke it down for myself. And this shift that happens over there is you basically your identity comes from things that you believe in versus things that you have or things that you own or things that you do. Uh, And I think for me, that was one big way in which I was also able to change the way I approached, you know, life at work. I think on the business front, two things were happening. Uh, You know, one, uh, there's also this whole world uh, within like the, you know, social tech space that was changing fairly rapidly, right? So when we started LBB, Instagram was not a big thing. Facebook was big. You know, Snapchat didn't exist. And a lot of what we saw was that, you know, a discovery wasn't happening only on our platform. It was happening like everywhere else. And if we held on to only being a discovery platform, we were actually negating a large part of the value that we were creating. So to give you an example, there are so many local businesses who, you know, got in touch with us saying, oh, we know because of you, we were sold out. Or, you know, because of you, like all of my hundreds of SKUs sold out. And I think hearing that from the business, right, that the value that you are actually bringing to them is you were causing them to drive sales and you were helping them make more money. Uh, But you were not necessarily being a part of that journey of how the business made more money and you were not being able to quantify that impact on the business you know through the way your current business model was structured Uh, I think making that change became really important for us because we realized that you know we can't play the monthly active user ward which is what typical media companies play Uh, but what we can become is you know can we become the target of India for a millennial you know audience uh, can we become the Etsy of India from a merchant's perspective, right? We also started evaluating our target addressable market much better. Uh, and we understood the depth of merchants that we could actually service through a product like LBB. And it, it was the same principle there, right? Where like, is LBB about content? No, LBB is about connecting customers with great local brands and businesses. And as long as that ethos stays, irrespective of how yeah. many of ours LBB takes, as long as that ethos stays, which has never changed from, from day one, it's always been about that, right? Uh, it's about It's been about the delight of finding a great brand. So my next question is that I read somewhere that the book that prompted, and I didn't know this, but the book that prompted you to start LBB was Thinking Fast and Slow. And that you also, uh, there's a line in it which says, what you see is all there is. Can you tell me what why this phrase made such an impression on you? So I think uh, this book, by the way, is fantastic. Um, I'm an economic student. And I think what this book and this particular author, uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, and his you know partner, uh, Amos Tversky, what, what they were able to do is they were able to bring in basically a behavioral element to economics. And essentially, this whole book is about, you know, the very simple fact that humans aren't rational and there are different, you know, parts of your brain that kick in when it comes to decision making. And it's an absolutely wonderful book. But basically, this one line, right, like what you see is all there is. The reason why it resonated with me so deeply was because I think so many of us are so used to being comfortable with our bubbles and our reality is shaped by the bubble that we're in. And that bubble is a function of a lot of things, right? The people that we have in our lives, the work that we're doing, the friends we keep. And that quote actually reminded me that it is ever so important to continue stepping out of your comfort zone because 
you don't know what kind of unconscious biases you're developing internally right and the only way to actually live without bias not that that's a possible state to live in but to live with minimal biases is by just exposing yourself to as many truths as is possible and for me just that book was transformative in the way i think and i i recommend that book to everyone it's fantastic so what are some of the things that you do to step out of this bubble like personally i think for me like you know during the pandemic i kicked off a book club with a friend of mine also this is not like this is my young dingra yeah. who has my last yes. name yes i know uh, <laughs> and funnily enough i met him on twitter i've met him once in my i've met him once in person but like i met yeah. him on twitter and we just you know i mean we posted a couple of like interesting contrarian views so we guys got chatting uh, my whole book club is like seven there's about seven eight of us and again none of us know each other uh, none of us have anything in common we're all sitting in different parts of india and we just come together for like the love of not even books it's actually just like exchanging ideas and you know again just testing out our own hypotheses like of each other and everyone's from like very different walks of life right there's some entrepreneurs there's some professionals there are investors there's all sorts of people you know in that book club i also you know started a podcast yes. yeah which has been incredible because even with this podcast i try talking to as many people who i don't know as is possible and for me yeah. i am horrible at small talk like horrible <laughs> so for me to actually be able to hold a conversation with someone who i'm literally meeting i i have heard these what that is not true at I all or doesn't come across so as that as because all. we're talking about work so like you know i can like keep up okay so we are going to shift gears <laughs> now <laughs> and not talk about work because then i'm guessing you go on autopilot <laughs> yeah no but i think those two for me have been great and i think the other thing that i also love doing is i love chatting with our merchant community so like all the brands who sell on lbb right like just having a conversation with them learning a little bit about their lives all of that's just been it's it's just awesome man you just uh, you know i think it's really easy to like sit in your little cocoon and like judge people you know or judge their choices but i think it takes a lot of i won't even say humility i just think it takes a lot of like perspective and some amount of you know openness to have a conversation without reflecting judgment and i think all of these things have really helped me just like have a conversation without expecting any outcomes from it uh, which has been refreshing and that's quite interesting but i also wanted to ask you because i've been a, a solo founder and it comes with its own sort of challenges and there's so many things that i struggle with myself because there are things that i'm really good at and then there are things i'm terrible at and i used to feel very guilty for not knowing certain things or not doing certain things and i've sort of you know made my peace and and kind of i deal with them with them very differently today than i would 10 years ago i don't know how you do it man i would have fucking lost my mind by now because it's just too much stress it's lonely it's it's lonely more than anything else right because you're making all the decisions yourself um you're obviously not good at everything and you have to delegate but then finding the right people to delegate to has also been my you know hiring has been a big problem for me just to you know it's one of the things that i'm still now figuring out how to be really good at but those are like lessons i've learned along the way has that been a challenge for you like putting the team together getting a really good team or is that something that comes like naturally to you so actually i think i'm very clear about what i'm good at and what i'm not good at to the extent where like you know if i'm not good at something and if i've hired you to do that job 
my default setting is that I will trust you with that job, but I will also expect you to break down the process for me because I'm not someone who's comfortable not knowing, right? My expectation is not that I'll be as good as the person I've hired, but my expectation is that I should have the framework to understand, you know, what their day, week, month looks like. So even I can challenge them in the right ways. Uh, and you'll see this within like our leadership team at LPB. Everyone has like very different temperaments, right? Like there are some people who like me are like hyper and like energetic, right? And <laughs> uh, then there'll be others who are like very calm and like very patient. And I think all of us have just, you know, found a way to be empathetic towards each other's strengths and weaknesses and also have some amount of like operating trust with the people who we work with. Yeah. And honestly, like touch wood, but like I am, <laughs> I am really happy with the team that I have today because yeah. all of them are self-made, right? None of us are friends. Uh, the only two people who are related at LBB are Dhruv and me, uh, right? <laughs> I literally say this to my colleagues in our town hall, which is like, all of you guys are here because you are fucking good at your jobs, right? And you will stay yeah. here only if you continue to be good at your jobs. And I think a lot of what I borrowed was from uh, Netflix's Culture Doc, which Patty McCall you know, sort of put together. And she had this one line, yeah. which is with a team or not a family. A sports team, a pro sports yeah. team. And I think, uh, you know, it's very difficult to create that culture in India because unfortunately you end up hiring from these large like Lala type companies. And unfortunately, that's just the culture that a lot of these large companies see, not to stereotype, but it is a significant part of the culture these large companies see. So I think a lot of what we have to do is like kind of get that stuffiness out of the people who we work with and just like wire them to be very comfortable being themselves and also challenging themselves to, you know, continue adding value to our company and giving us opportunity to add value to them. Another thing, I mean, I want to get to, I don't want to make it very cliche sounding, but I do want to talk about, and I remember speaking to you about this, that being a woman in tech, I remember you telling me about this one instance where I think it was a fundraise or you were speaking to some investors and you told me that you would say the exact same thing and no one, you know, it would just be like a blank stare. But the minute Dhruv would say it, it would be like, you know, like this is the, the, yeah. So I wanted you to talk a, a little bit about that. So actually for me, I always say this to other, you know, women who I speak with, which is you need to work with the assumption that you're going to have to work two to three times harder than your male counterparts to get the... <laughs> Why? The thing is like, I am so done questioning it. I mean, I still question yeah. it on a daily right. basis, but the thing is like, I'm not going to sit in a corner and weep till the world changes, right? Yeah. Um, I want to be a part of that change and not, you know, sit on the outskirts and wait for like shit to get better just so I can be a part of like this industry or this narrative or whatever. And honestly, the tech industry or at least this ecosystem, although it is very like bro and very like, you know, IIT, IIM, uh, it comes with that whole situation. I also think it's one of the industries where like if you are really determined to be great at what you do, you can make it. And I think there is some amount of meritocracy with which this world at least operates. So am I at the receiving end of like a lot of like stupid shit from, you know, men, not just VCs, but even former employees, man, like you deal with all sorts of stupidity. But I think the way to approach that is brush it off as stupidity, right? versus like you know but I'm sure you got to a stage where you were like this is stupidity it wasn't always I mean maybe the first 
few times it happened and then it happened again was it something that really infuriated you how did you handle it did you tackle it or your attitude always was just like ignore i think for me the attitude has always been if you can do something about it like react there and then but if you can't just ignore and move on right because the only person who is actually affected in that moment is a receiver right it is a recipient it's not the person who is like Correct. saying those things so why should you allocate mental real estate to someone who you know is like definitely not worth it and i have that philosophy for like anything whether it's casual sexism at in work mm-hmm. life stuff and again the interesting thing that i also want to say over here is i think people assume that it's only men who can you know say absurd shit to women oh no um, no no that's not yeah, true at all. a lot of yeah. like i mean actually the most like ridiculous stuff that i've been at the receiving end of has usually come from other women what are some of the things like give me an example i think the thing that i see with women which i really hope changes and again this is not to generalize but i think sometimes a lot of like the criticism is very personal it's never about the work right so it's always about like oh you are like x it's never about you know like oh you know because of this decision we were not able to grow by 100% we only grew by 75% right or oh because of you know this higher you stalled x teams growth you know by abc xyz so i really wish the criticism was more rooted in like data and actual performance as opposed to stuff which is slightly more like personal in nature and again i think you know generalizing any of this is unfair because again as a working woman you will see criticism from all parts of your life but i think what's really helped me is like if someone's making a personal attack at you forget it right then to you should definitely not react because you only stand to lose in that situation if the attack is professional and it's rude try to take the rudeness out of it but take the feedback very seriously right so and i think that's really important because sometimes people also just suck at articulating their frustration right so they'll say it in x way but there is some truth to what they're saying so i think sometimes when the feedback is professional or it is about the work but it may not be articulated properly just ignore the terminology of it and just try like navigating what's the actual underlying truth over here that i need to fix and yeah i think just like avoid general you know trolly like people i mean you know and that's the thing and and more so as a leader right as a woman leader i think for me for many many years i read this book called the likability trap and um, you know for me especially it was always this big thing that i wanted to be liked by everybody i mean i work with sugar right i mean that's that's uh, that's who i am but i think as a leader and a, as the boss here i had to make my peace with everyone's not going to like me and that was for me was like a hard realization which came i started young so that came with time what has that been like for you i think uh, you know similar to you i think age plays a big role because as you sort of grow up right your general tolerance for nonsense reduces because you only have like i mean i work you know anything in between like 10 to 14 hours a day so i don't have the bandwidth to comprehend stuff which like is not affecting my life in any sort of like real way and i think that's why you know to a large extent i'm very particular about who i spend time with and like you know who my like close friends are you know who my mentors are who my advisors are like you know who i learn from 
and I think, you know, if you're like, I mean, if there are young folks listening to this, I, I think, you know, there's that saying, right, that you're a function of the five people you surround yourself with. And I think that's, it's really, really, really important to, you know, treat that as like a sacrosanct way of living because a lot of what ends up happening is you just end up cutting out a lot of the like crap. Uh, and then whoever mm-hmm. you're around, they usually become people who just, you know, challenge you in the right way and honestly just want the best for you. And I think that's, you know, that's important to do. And there's a big difference, right? There's a big difference in between saying, I don't want to only be liked to the other opposite, which is like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be disliked, right? (laughs) And I think that's the problem with humans, right? We like operating in like binary outcomes, like we want everything to be black or white. But, you know, the opposite of not being likable could also be that you're you're highly respected, you know, or it doesn't have to always venture in the territory of you being an, you know, absolutely terrible person. So that's the way I'd address that. Yeah, (laughs) it's like uh, you have to do everything in your power to be disliked. (laughs) No, but another thing that I actually wanted to ask, because this is like no sugar coat and we talk about, you know, being really vulnerable and kind of talking about yeah, I mean, it's great, right? You see somebody's, and for me, like all these startup stories and founder stories are extremely romantic, right? And they they try to fit everything in like a couple of lines where it's like, she went to Paris and ate a macaroon and opened the store and all these lists and all of that. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of like really, you know, sleepless nights. There's been a lot of stuff that's actually gone behind being here. The same thing I would, I want to know from you, like, when were the moments where you felt truly vulnerable, where you felt like you weren't sure of yourself? Because it's not possible for everyone to just be like, this is it, I'm going to do this and then just appear to and, and reach where you are today. But, you know, if someone's listening to this and they want to start their own business or they want to really know what it means to be an entrepreneur. And since this is, you know, not what you were trained to do, what would be like the things that you could tell someone listening? I think COVID has been a big sort of like general phase in my life where I remember when lockdown was announced, I had like a mini panic attack, right? Because literally like a bunch of our business is about brands that are largely offline. And, you know, I mean, imagine hearing that shit, like all of the businesses that I usually impact, that I usually work with, they're going to be deemed as non-essentials and like not be operating for the next two months, which basically means I'm not going to be operating for the next two months. I think in that moment, you realize how much of this is, you know, so transient in a lot of ways. But I think in that moment, you also realize that, you know, when you really want something, you will bend the world upside down (laughs) all around to make it happen. But I think you also realize, you know, in your ability to handle situations like that, we were a team of 150 people. There were a lot of changes that we had to make. Uh, You know, we were like literally in the middle of this like supersonic pace of growth and we had to step on the brake and that could have led to a crash in a lot of ways. But I think, you know, finding that strength within you and having that confidence that I'm going to do whatever it takes to just get to the best possible outcome. I, I think that's what it really, you know, comes down to. And if you've seen the recovery that we made over the past six, seven months, we're almost back to Feb levels. I mean, kudos to my colleagues for that. Uh, you know, all I've done is like just give pep talks and all of that. But but, but I think at your, at your worst, you realize what you're actually made of. And I think there's something really powerful. I mean, I'd never want to be in that situation ever again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, I I remember talking to you in in about April when I wasn't sure what was happening, and it didn't seem like you were. I mean, you actually from all the people I spoke to, you were one of the most confident, and you kind of gave me so much courage right then. And you were like, you know, you're gonna figure it out. You're gonna and I and I remember getting so much sort of you know that whole space of exactly like darkness, not knowing what's gonna happen. As entrepreneurs, you always. you can always see the future like you can always kind of you don't know what's going to happen but you have a sort of idea of 6 months down the line one year down the line this is what the future is going to look like and then suddenly it's like you have no idea it was like for me at least it was complete darkness and um yeah i think that that whole thing of when you know it's you know you're just thrown in the deep end you either you know swim or sink and I think for most people who've kind of survived this, I hope everyone's like once you survive this, you know, you'll be stronger, better, and I hope that that's going to be the sort of, you know, the the lesson. Uh, I think for us, what actually saved our asses was that we raised our Series A last year, uh, so we had enough um, cash in the bank to sort of fall back on. And what also helps us is because we're a tech-first company and a product-first company, and we don't own any assets. The only assets that we have are our employees, right? So right. as long as we could manage that cost, everything else was easy to, you know, to navigate and control for us. So honestly, we would have been in a very bad state had we, you know, not raised like thirty-five crores last year. But that just gave us a little bit of, you know, padding. But again, I, I think the way I look at it is like, you know, the amount of changes we made in the past six months. Every single change has actually been for the best. And and Dhruv and I joke exactly. that why the fuck did it take a pandemic for us to? I know. I asked myself the same question. I was like, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have made any of the changes I had to yeah. make. And I think it just like accelerated all the good stuff. Like everything that I was afraid of. was then finally i think your mind goes into this at least for me me it went into a zone where i was just like okay everything's gone i've spoken to a lawyer really saying that file for bankruptcy if we have to be insolvent this is what it is who do we pay first we actually made a list of like these are the people we're going to pay first these are people second and when your brain goes into that space i think the fear is just gone because now i'm like theek hai you know if if everything goes it goes what's going to happen yeah. and the kind of power and strength that that you know rising from that has just been an experience that i don't think i would have ever gone through if i wasn't just pushed into this corner yeah. for me the main realization in the last 6 months is what i think you said you did 2 years ago where you asked yourself what are the values that um, you know and you started attaching yourself to values rather than things and goals and titles did that really help you over the last 6 months to kind of not only not identify but just align yourself with what your purpose truly is i think 100% because you know you i i think in that moment you know it's it's like what you said right when you're hearing those words of you know like for you what was like bankruptcy or whatever and for us it was like man our runway like what is happening to our runway um we didn't myself all good do we really <laughs> had to make i don't even know how many changes to make that outcome happen but uh, no but i think a lot of what you a lot of at least for me what i was able to lean on was that no matter what i don't have i will always have the person that i want to be right and i think for me like you know one thing that i hold very true to myself or at least the value for myself is i want to always be an interesting person and for me you know the idea of being interesting same thing it doesn't come from like the things you have or the things you own but it's more of like what do you know right 
and i think the spiral of like you know chasing this how much more can i know right and how much more can i learn i think for me that was just a lot of fun because a lot of like the learning that i've done this year has been outside of the scope of business and it's been outside of the scope of you know like all the books and articles that i used to read to become a better leader or to you know become a better manager or to find product market fit better and i think this year like a lot of the learning that i've been able to do has actually just been really like random stuff right like i've like read up on like architecture and like you know a uh, design and i've been taking these like random master classes and you know it's just been really fun to like let your mind run a little loose you know versus at least the way i was operating before where you're kind of like always pulling the reins on your creativity right and you're trying to focus yourself on these you know like business goals or whatever else that you have so it's actually been really nice to just have some amount of like mental freedom i mean i don't know how long it lasts what was the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself this year the most surprising thing is that i actually make friends easily i had like <laughs> why do you think you were hello i swear i was just like you know because honestly i don't know how to talk about anything apart from like nerdy shit so and i have like no interest in people's lives so you know apart from you know like selling sunset or all those other bollywood aunties who i saw on netflix but uh but you know like i i don't know for me like i always thought i've always been like a little like you know like like restrained like i'll always keep people at like you know like a two arms length uh but i think this year i've actually had so much fun talking to just like random folks uh and being totally okay you know spending two hours in a conversation that's same thing that's not going to have any outcome but you're just enjoying it for that conversation right so for me i actually i was pleasantly surprised by my ability to make friends with people uh easily which i didn't think how how did we meet how did we meet it's not like we met we met at some random people event. would i have met to actually become friends with you <laughs> so my conversion ratio <laughs> is like 1% oh god no 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 we're not going to conversion ratio <laughs> i have two last things to ask you so one is hashtag never again what is the one thing you wish you hadn't done or something that you regret the most i think i wouldn't say never again but i think my one big not even regret yaar but like the one thing i would do i would have done differently is you know have very high standards for the people you work with and when i say high standards all of us assume that the person who we work with you know will have integrity you know will be abc xyz and i think the problem is we end up assuming that that's the default setting of every person who walks into the door and we had this really interesting session recently which i done for my leadership team with uh, megha chavla who i absolutely love she's a partner at bain and she did this whole session with our leadership team on leadership and one of the points that she brought up that bain does is they have organizational values not like core values culture values that even our organization has but they have organizational values at bain and they make it very clear to everyone walking in through the door that these are our values right and the values are slightly loftier right the values will be so she gave us this example of like a beni never lets another beni fail so she sort of like and then you know uh, operate with integrity so i think her point which i learned was a lot of things that you and i would take for granted because we operate a certain way it doesn't mean that the person opposite you has come with that default setting so it's really 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 important to be very clear about what your like standards are 
and be very clear with the people you work with because the way you and I function may not be the way the other person functions. And it's not to say the way the other person functions is better or worse. Uh, it's just, it's just different. It's just different. So you want to be very, very clear from, you know, day one. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Personally, I'm going to take that and use it. And the last one is what is the big dream for yourself? Oh man, what a deep shit bro question. Um, Finally, you were operating on autopilot all this time. <laughs> so now... <laughs> now you've actually got me to start up. Um, no, I think the big dream for myself, you know, again, I'll go back to, you know, what I said, which is I am genuinely in the pursuit of being an interesting person for myself. And I think for me, you know, like the big dream is that I just continue to be interesting, right? And I continue to like challenge myself and learn new things and make new friends, you know, and improve my conversion rate and <laughs> and all of that. Uh, but but as long as I, I don't know, I, I feel like as long as I'm just, you know, interesting to myself, I think that dream is like big enough for me. Also want to earn like a shit ton of money and like, you know, <laughs> Uh, you make all the shit out of LBB, but like, I mean, all of those professional ambitions aside, which I'm sure I'll get to, um, yeah. and we will collectively get to as a team. Uh, I think for me, it's it's much more simpler. Awesome. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to say to people listening before we wrap up? Uh, no, just download LBB app, guys. <laughs> That's where the magic is at. Every day Download LBB at LBB.com. <laughs> no. In. I'm going to fucking call you Lur 16 now. You wait and watch. Lur 15. Thank you so much, Suchita. Thank you so much for chatting with me. That was Suchita Salvan in conversation with me, Pooja Dhingra, on No Sugar Coat. By the way, Lur 15 now delivers across India, so go get your sugar fix at lur15.com. <laughs>